motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. Welcome back, one and all, to another episode of A to the K's Wrestle Talk podcast. You're here, as always, with the highlight of the night. It's me, Anthony. I'm joined once again by the king of bling bling. It's Carl. Hi, Carl. A big hello once again, Anthony, and to everyone listening. The first thing you've got to realize, brother, is that this right here is the future of podcasts. You can call this the new world order of podcasts, brother. And not only are we going to take over the whole podcast business, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean G. Uh, so, sorry, uh, Anthony. Mean Anthony. Yeah. I love it. I love how you slowly got more Hogan-like as it went on as well. It's like it happens, he happens took well. over, you know? <laughs> Fantastic stuff. I mean, I, I, I can feel a dodgy hip coming on. Maybe, maybe it could be part of it. Yeah. And he's slowly going senile. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, got another fun-filled week of wrestling action for everyone, as I'm sure you know. Um, obviously... We uh, had the second night of the American Bash, or whatever it was called. All-American Bash? Are we all-American or just American? All-American. Great. Are all American? great. Great. America's it's great. great. It was great. America's great the again. Great American Bash. Make America great again, Bash. That one. That yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we had that. We had um, the second night of Fighter Fest. We did. Uh, and then uh, the other two, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We had Shiter Fest. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Even Shiter <laughs> Fest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I mean, a very mixed bag when it comes to this week in wrestling, but we'll get on to that. We also have the uh, the ringside report, as always, so we'll be giving um, the updates on any news and rumours or anything that we might have heard about or seen tweets of uh, for this coming week. And then our, our unique segment for the week, uh, should be a good bit of fun, is um, combining two of our loves, Carl, really. Uh, we love wrestling and we love video games. So naturally, we're going to talk about the video games, the wrestling video games that we used to love growing up. So um, we'll call it a top 10, I suppose. But uh, I'll be honest, it's going to be very biased because I had a PlayStation 2. So most of mine are PlayStation 2. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I know you had a few, Carl. You had the GameCube, so I know there's a couple on there. Um, did you have the N64? I did for a time. I believe so there were a couple will, uh... of good wrestling games on the N64 as well. Not that I ever played them. So Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that. <laughs> but we know what the best ones were. Oh, yeah. So we'll kick things off then. With the ringside report. Let's do this thing. Let's do this. So, coming up tonight on the ringside report, our WWE selling to Saudi Arabia? Is Tommaso Ciampa unhappy with the WWE? Would we be seeing more of The Undertaker? Did Vince McMahon make a foolish purchase? Probably. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Are there concerns over Bruce Pritchard's current position? Is Adam Cole looking to make his leap to the main roster? Will Sonya Deville be competing for a men's title? Is Jeff Hardy stuck in WWE? Hmm, who knows? Are AEW actually winning in the ratings war? We'll discuss that. Is Sammy Guevara donating his earnings? Again, an interesting one. Let's find out. Has Rusev tested positive for COVID-19? Yes, yes, he has. Um, another fantastic one, Carl. Charlotte has revealed a major WWE leak. <laughs> we'll get on to that one as well. Hey, um, is Extreme Rules no longer going to be aired live? And lastly, is Cody going to reveal a bit more about the proposed deal with CM Punk? We're going to discuss all of this and more, all coming up right now, actually. Yeah, right now. Um, um, so, Carl, would you like to kick us off or do you want me to do the first one? 
I'll let you go first. Okay. As okay. is tradition. So, going first, as mentioned, we had the possibility of WWE selling to Saudi Arabia. So, we've had suggestions that Vince McMahon is looking for a deal um, with Saudi Arabia. And I say Saudi Arabia generally because I'm not sure who the exact people are. But um, the suggestions are following on, and you might know a little bit about this, Carl, that um, UFC was sold in some capacity and has yeah. some sort of deal. Um, and their deal is in the realms of about, I believe, uh, $3 billion or around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vince is basically interested in a deal which is the surprising part because obviously this is his baby's created it from obviously the, I want to say the ground up, but obviously his dad did have the WWWF. Yeah. Vince has made it what it is today. We can't deny that. Um, but Vince apparently is looking at the possibility as long as it's more than what UFC got essentially. Um, so <laughs> not to be competitive or anything, which uh, when you're talking billions, I mean, I, I always find this fascinating with, um, with, with the wealthy. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a billionaire, as you probably gathered from the camera quality. Um, but, you know, when you're talking billions, is he even going to feel it? It's just more numbers in a bank account, isn't it? Mm. You know what I mean? But, yeah, he wants he wants a better deal than the UFC got. But it seems like selling the WWE is on the cards. How do you feel about that, Carl? Because for me, I think it's a surprising one. I know we've got this deal with, with Saudi, uh, which is kind of fucked at the minute because of COVID-19. But they're still going to put shows on over there eventually. Um, <laughs> But there's obviously been a lot of controversy as well. There's been a lot of wrestlers who are unwilling to do Saudi either because of the absolute grueling task that it is to get there and get back or because of the principle of it, because of the way um, their approaches to women's matches and the, the limitations to women's matches. Um, so it seems like a, an unusual step, really. Uh, but yeah, I'd, we don't I'd know, know what, what the deal would look like in its, in its true form, but it, could this actually alienate a lot of wrestlers? Could we see a, a large amount of wrestlers then jump ship to American promotions, as it were? Yeah, this seems like really way out of left field. Like, I don't think I ever thought of Vince selling the company. <laughs> I thought he would well go to his grave before he ever thought of anybody else running the show because he is a control freak, as we I all mean, know. This is the thing. And... I mean, he's still massively hands-on with it. That's how much of a control freak he is. He hasn't even took a back step in his 70s. No, you know? no, definitely not. So, I mean, obviously, you can you can understand the, the allure of selling your company for a shit ton of money and just being able to finally retire. Um, and, you know, a big fuck you to Stephanie and Shane. But, um, you know, that, that <laughs> aside, you know, the, the whole UFC deal, that was that was by, like, a sports consortium of, like, you know, a lot of people who have started to build this kind of brand of, you know, being able to take over these huge companies and stuff, whereas... I don't know, kind of just being like, oh, well, Saudi have got money. Yeah, they'll buy them. I don't know. Is, is, it, is it realistic? I'm, I'm not convinced, I don't think. Um, I, mean, I think there's a lot of people willing to take advantage of the fact that, um, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but again, I'm given to understand that the, this sort of interest from Saudi has, beca- has come because obviously their money is based in oil and the way the world's going, you can't rely on your money being based in oil anymore. People are looking for different resources. It's becoming less relied upon. I'll be, it'll be a long time before it's not relied upon. But when you're dealing with a finite resource like that, they're wanting to invest that money into other elements. And obviously a cash cow like an entertainment business, especially a massive one like WWE, makes sense. But could we see a bit of a, what's the word, oversaturation? Because obviously a lot of places might be looking at this sort of, well, let's cash in. Let's let's get that Saudi money, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, so... I don't know. It's it's an unusual unusual position to be in. 
But uh, I can't, I'm not mm. saying that Saudi wouldn't be interested. They clearly would because they've already got a, a, a deal for select pay-per-views. Obviously, they'd love the legends such as you know the likes of Hogan and Goldberg and the like. So um, they're, they're definitely game for it. They've definitely got the fans over there. But uh, yeah, for me, I think this is going to this could potentially ruin the WWE. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know how much truth there is to it. I don't know whether it's just like a well. I'll, I'll probably best. I'm probably best, yeah, pointing that out, that this has not come from the horse's mouth. This isn't Vince sat down saying it. This isn't any sort of real fact-based, we've seen this deal being sort of ironed out or we know that they're in talks. This is very much the rumour mill at the minute. But it's been mentioned previously, like uh, in I think we've even mentioned it in previous Ringside reports, and it seems to have resurfaced again. So there's something there. But um, this is this is sort of speculation from other parties, not from the WWE themselves. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> definitely interesting, but let's see. Let's see how it plays let's out. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So, and, um, Carl, by the way, uh, I'm looking at selling this podcast to Saudi Arabia if, you, if you're up to. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, Defo, you know, come on. Fuck it, yeah. I, highest bidders will do anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not as petty as Vince. I'll take less than UFC got. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but, you know, we'll see. We will, we, we'll broker a deal. It'll be well, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony. The one yeah. I've got to kick off um, for, for, for my news this week is a certain WWE superstar is apparently unhappy with their current position within the company. Any ideas on who that might be? Well, <laughs> well, this could be many, many people. Let's see. We could have, um, oh, I don't know. Let's say Otis. No, he'll be absolutely fucking made up, actually. Uh, <laughs> Roman Reigns. Well... It's actually our, our friend, Tomato Chomper. Ah. And it's because we keep calling him Tomato Chomper. No, it's yes. not. Um, <laughs> so apparently um, he's made a couple of posts on social media um, over the last kind of few weeks. Mm. Um, and he's basically basically said that, you know, he misses 2018 Champa. Um, You know, the wrestling business, like life, is full of waves, high and lows. One, one moment you feel untouchable, the next you come crashing down. And basically, he feels since he lost his title, um, he's basically in one of his like real serious career lows at the moment. Um, so yeah, he thinks that basically everything since that point on has been somewhat of a disappointment to him. So yeah, I don't know what what are your what are your thoughts? I can I can see why he's feeling low right now. Mm. Um, he's come off a, a, as much as I weren't a big fan of the amount of times we've seen this match he come off a massive match with, with Gargano yeah. then he come off a great program with, with Carrion but obviously that was for, for Tommaso that was a mechanism to push Carrion as a, as a legitimate threat mm-hmm. and then uh, we haven't even seen him on TV in the last few weeks so it feels a little bit like they don't really have anything for him right now um, yeah, so I can totally I think... understand why right now he would be feeling low and he was he was definitely on a on more of a career high in 2018. I mean, it's interesting that you raised the points about carrying. So he he went into the kind of highs and lows, kind of the wave thing he was talking about, and mm. he said there has been you know a few glimpses of highs kind of here and there, but so many lows. <laughs> and he he said uh, you know the chase to reclaim Goldie, the final chapter with Johnny, and most recently his encounter with Cross. So he sees them as all his biggest lows, really? which I thought was very interesting. Do you know what? I'm I'm actually not that surprised with Carrion, because from his perspective, it is like you're 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 the jobber in that scenario. Um, mm. I'm quite surprised with the Gargano one. Yeah, because they always put on really good matches being... together. But 
I mean, from from my perspective, who who wasn't necessarily in the nitty gritty of NXT day to day, I'd seen this enough <laughs> by this point. Yeah, and it may, maybe he's kind of feeling the same, where it's like, can you not put me in any other feud other than other than with Gargano? But, <laughs> yeah, like, I know they said fight forever, Vince, but they don't. <laughs> mm, but um, <laughs> apparently, he's, he's now been told as well that the reason he's off TV is he's getting the whole creative has nothing for you treatment. Ah, he's getting Shayna Baszler. He's getting Shayna Baszler. So, yeah, I don't That's know. Not, I feel. I mean, how can you go from being so prominent on the show to creative have nothing for you? That's insane. Yeah. And you know what? We both said when they were going into their feud, him and Gargano, we both said one of them is going for the main roster call up. Yeah. This would have given Raw a shot in the arm. Raw's doing better lately, don't get me wrong. This would have given Raw a shot in the arm and it would have given um, Tommaso something to do. So, I call you know what if if creative have nothing for them that's because they're fucking shit. Well, I mean, we already know that to be true. Let's be let's be honest. But yeah, I don't know. I, feel, I you've got to feel for the guy. He he was you know he rose to you know fucking the top in in what was it quite a a bland NXT to be fair to him. And oh, you yeah. know he'd been out injured and he'd had to fight his way back and everything. And you know he got himself into some really exciting kind of stuff. And now to see. The, the end of that culminate with, with a shitty finish with Gargano and then a squashing by Carrion. And now they've got nothing for him. It definitely feels like a fall from grace, so you can see it. Yeah, and I don't want to harp on, but it really bugs me that it's like they've got nothing for him because it's like, well, the story's right in itself. He's having an interaction with Randy Orton on Twitter. Randy Orton can't fight the big show forever in this <laughs> unsanctioned match they're going to have. So um, I wonder who Randy could face. Maybe Tommaso could come and try and teach him a lesson. Maybe he doesn't have to be a legend just because he's a legend killer. Okay. This could be, you know, Tommaso taking umbrage I mean, to the fact that he's he's attacked some of his childhood heroes, for instance. It could be something like that. You could even no, go no. proper. You can even go proper into the fucking um, like complete opposite of that and be like, well, okay, Orton's a legend killer. You know, it's quite easy to go after the the guys who are past it. I'm I'm the cream of the crop. I'm I'm the one rising to the top. Yeah. You know, forget the legends. Take on the up and comers. Well, do you know what? He's called the legend killer. It doesn't have to be OAPs. He could literally just rock up and go. I'm a legend in NXT. Yeah. There you go. Why not? But no, let's just sideline him and do nothing with him. Yeah. Edge is when, out. When we've already uh, got Christian like, and Big people Joe. on the roster anyway. <laughs> Perfect. Fucking Perfect. crazy. So yeah, massively disappointing that from that perspective. Um, yeah. And yeah, I do feel for the guy. I really do. So um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take over then if I could, Cal. Uh, the next one we've got to, um, to, to offer some good news. Uh, we're going to get another episode of the, I'll say critically acclaimed, probably. Um, the Last Ride, Carl, The Last Ride, the documentary that we've all thoroughly enjoyed. We're getting an extra episode. Now, I don't want you to get your hopes up too much because this episode is apparently going to wear the same night as the horror show at Extreme Rules or Extreme Rules of the Horror Show. I, I don't know, whatever they want to call it now. Extreme Horror Rules. Um, this is going to air on the same night and this is going to be compiled of stuff that he didn't use, essentially. Uh, extra stuff that they had. Uh, because the last ride has been so popular, um, the the now sort of they've edited together this this sort of composite of different inter- the, you know different bits that they've done with Undertaker and different interviews and so on like that. Um, so it should still be a very interesting watch, but um, I don't know if it'll be as good as what we've already seen because obviously this is the stuff that they deemed not worthy for that anyway. I mean, I've just got visions of him like being having a shit 
and the camera crew's there and he's like, <laughs> can you see I'm, I'm, I'm having a shit guys. And then, <laughs> and then they go away. And then like they pop up and he's there with, you know, Michelle and you know, they're getting it on. And he's like, guys, seriously, this is my last ride. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <Et cetera. laughs> but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, um, Obviously, it's it's had it's had a lot of a lot of plaudits this this series, and you know a lot of people love it. There's a few that think it was really not very good in terms of kind of ruining the character for them. But um, I you think know. at the end of the day, if him becoming the American badass biker, non you know Undertaker Undertaker is not going to ruin it for you, <laughs> this show isn't like. Yeah, the disbelief. You know what I mean. Mm. Um, I thought it was a really interesting insight. It's weird seeing behind the scenes. Don't get me wrong, but you can't not watch it. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, defo. Um, but yeah, remains to be seen. I suppose what this extra footage is. Um, I, I, I might even prioritise over Extreme Rules. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, fucking <laughs> hell. Everyone should do that. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. But um, I wonder what WWE be into if like. The number, the viewership for Extreme Rules was significantly lower than the episode of the last ride. Well, that, you know, that mess with them now, surely. Undertaker is fighting Hornswoggle at SummerSlam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you'll get. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, let's let's yeah. see. Are they, are they just see. kind of, you know, it, it it gets to a point where are they just trying to cash in on it now, and it's going to be a load of shite, and it's going to kind of cast a shadow over what was, you know, a really decent little mini series that they had. Mm. Who knows? But Let's see. Let's see what they come up with. Yeah. I hold out hope. I don't want to be too negative about it, but sadly, I think, like you say, it's it's that sort of cash in, isn't it? It's been really popular, more popular than they thought, so let's try and make some more money out of it. Mm. Um, but I hope it doesn't compromise that. Because, you know, more footage, why not? Yeah, more stuff. Learn more things about The Undertaker. Yeah, I'm on board for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the next snippet of news this week. Um, so apparently, you know, if you, if you kind of cash your mind back to you know, the, the major releases that we saw from WWE uh, yes. at the midst of uh, COVID. Um, apparently, this is, you know, it's come to light that these were all Vince McMahon's releases um, that came directly from him. And basically, it's been kind of reported these had some level of um, buyer's remorse around some of the superstars and the contracts that they were on. Um, and so he basically determined that, you know, especially for the likes of uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows in particular, that um, they didn't justify the contracts that they were on. Um, and so, you know, it came as a surprise to a lot of people. You know, you had Paul Heyman, you had uh, Bruce Pritchard at the time, who was in charge of um, the shows, and they didn't even know it was coming. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's quite quite an interesting one, this one. I think the fact that it's finally kind of been confirmed now that it was just Vince saying, do you know what? <laughs> I don't want to pay these guys anymore. You know, I don't see anything anything in them, and I think that we got a bad deal when when we signed the contracts with them. Um, so quite an interesting little spin, I think, on the whole kind of. Um... Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because um, that was around the time. Correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but WWE were going through a phase of like buying up talent just so that they had them. You know, like they had no sort of use for them i suppose but they were just like let's offer we've got the money we've got the resources let's offer contracts let's keep them here so they can't go anywhere else um and obviously they changed tactic very fucking quick with the covid19 stuff but um it's interesting and i i have no doubt at all that it's true to be honest with you because i imagine he was offering them whatever the fuck they wanted at one point within reason crazy stuff yeah (laughs) yeah i mean I don't know, like it's hard, isn't it? Because you can kind of you can kind of see it from from like Vince's standpoint to where 
you know, he's he's the guy. He's the one paying these these guys at the end of the day. And are they giving him the return on the investment? The, you <laughs> see, I take expected. a little bit of umbrage with this as well, though, because it's like return on investments when they are they've proven that they are talented. Gallows and Anderson is a perfect example. They've proven that they're talented. They got massively over in New Japan. To um, paraphrase Cody Rhodes, if you can get over once, you can do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got the the tools there, right? But then when you're coupled with the, the WWE machine and the lack of creative freedom and artistic freedom, and then you're blamed for it, it it's just crazy. Like, uh, I, there, there could be a lot going on behind the scenes that you don't hear about because they're not famous, but has he ever considered looking at maybe the creative side of it and going, these stories aren't working? Like, maybe we should sack some people here or offer some really good contracts to some people here? Yeah, I thought, um, I don't know whether, whether we're going to cover it as part of another news story, but I remember seeing something this week around um, FDR coming out saying that when they got released, um, it was basically as a result of Vince kind of saying that, um, you know, the creative team said they had nothing for them and he wasn't aware of all the ideas that they pitched um, to Vince, like, like like to get themselves over and, and to build new stories. And he said it was a, a massive flaw in the creative process, the fact that he wasn't be, being made aware of them. And apparently a lot of people felt that they were so scared to go to Vince with new ideas that, you know, in case they got fired themselves, that, <laughs> you know, they just wouldn't pitch the ideas that the, 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 uh, the wrestlers had. Um, yeah, so, I get yeah, that, I mean, to be honest. I think that this is kind of a problem with the machine. When you're, when you're a small fish, you've got a lot less creative freedom to get yourself over. But when you're a big fish and you don't need to get yourself over, you can get away with whatever the fuck you want. It's a crazy mechanism. Like, I, yeah. I don't think he realises the, the, the position he puts a lot of the, um, the younger talent in. I mean, look, look at other examples like Zack Ryder, who got himself over through YouTube outside of WWE. Like, then was almost sort of, if you believe the rumour mill, was almost sort of punished for that. So it's like, even when they're trying their hardest to get themselves over, you're still relying on creative when you're when you're that sort of uh, not greens, not the right word. They've all put the time in, but you know when you when you're that position in WWE when you're not the likes of John Cena, um, that's you, you have to rely on the creative element and what storylines they're going to put forward and put you in. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting that it's it's kind of come to light now that it was Vince, and to a degree he kind of feels a bit bad about it for some people at least. But on the other hand, he's just kind of like well. I don't know. He's been like the fact that he's used, he's used a global pandemic to fire a load of people that he regretted buying in the first place. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's obviously a bit <laughs> snaky in it, but I suppose at the same time yeah. he's kind of realised now that he's he's paying these guys shitload of money and like why if 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 he's not going to keep them or he has no plans for them. So yeah, yeah, strange. And in some respects, it it gives them the opportunity to do other things. Like the reality of it is, FTR are a lot happier now. You know, uh, Gallows and Anderson will be when they can go back to Japan. Mm-hmm. It seems that now they can go and be more creative and and do what they love. It's probably the best thing for them as well, as much as it's a bit of a kick in the teeth at the time. Yeah, mm. I suppose as well for uh, like Sarah Logan and Eric Rowe as well. Well, um, they obviously come at a, a really good time for them to oh, now. Be Vince offered their release at a really good time, didn't he? <laughs> well, Not paying any maternity leave now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Eric Eric offered her a release prior to that. So to be fair, um, <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, so Carl, the next one I've got is um, concerns over Bruce Pritchard. Now, this one is not much of a news article, Carl, because it's speculative. But it's one that I wanted to discuss with you because 
the suggestion is Bruce has taken on obviously everything and mm-hmm. is under a lot of stress with it all and that it may be having an effect on him. So, you know, he's having sleepless nights. He's having to deal with so many moving parts that it's chaotic. It's a really difficult time and a very stressful time for Bruce. Now, the reason I want to talk about it, because again, that's people's observations and nothing word of mouth from Bruce. I find it interesting that Raw, whether you agree with this or not, by the way, that Raw has upped its game since Bruce was given control. That's the one that the focus is on. Bruce, do Raw and, and bring it back up, right? But SmackDown as just totally fucking plateaued it's it like this particular one we're going to talk about this week was just awful and it seems like the concentration's gone like i i genuinely believe what's going on here in that there's too many moving parts i don't think bruce can handle two shows because i don't think smackdown's being given enough uh attention because the the shit the book in there is just and i get it you know raw's the flagship show and the three hour show so that's the one you're going to give your focus to but it just seems like there was nearly no time for smackdown for the the, the stuff they were putting across this week which we'll talk about in this week in wrestling but um yeah. do you think there's there's truth to the rumors on that basis because i think you can you can almost see it evidently in in the way the shows are up and down with each other i mean there's there's like definite food for thought there isn't it like smackdown was somewhat decent when it was just Bruce's uh, show and, and Heyman had Raw. Um, but since he has had both, SmackDown has been shite. And Raw is getting marginally better to a degree, but also mm. worse in some cases. But I just think even that is a bit odd because even though Raw is the flagship show, um, it's obviously SmackDown that has the Fox contract and has the, the most revenue behind it. So you'd think that they would still prioritise that above Raw. So it seems like a bit of a crazy decision, I think, for Bruce to kind of just sack off SmackDown. I can see why he's trying to obviously say, well, okay, we didn't need Heyman because I can do a better job and maybe he's put all his focus on that. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It seems, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just needs to just be brother love like he was back in the day and just, <laughs> I love you, Raw, and I love see, you, I, um, I've heard... And I can't remember where I, where I read it now, so I do apologise. But um, that ultimately, Vin, uh, Bruce is actually a better person than Heyman to to sell something or get something across to Vince. Apparently, oh, Heyman yeah. ends up quite argumentative with Vince and always has been because um, yeah. they're both quite bullheaded. Whereas Bruce was overall would have been a better shout because he can he can more subtly get his point across to Vince or turn Vince's sort of direction in the way it needed to go, kind of thing. Um, and in some ways, he was a better call from that side of it to liaise with Vince and, and, and sort of support certain storylines and certain angles they were going forward with. Whereas, you know, Vince would often, just because he was at loggerheads with, with Heyman, fall out with an idea. Do you know what I mean? So that yeah. kind of stuff makes a little bit of sense to me. But it's a real shame that they couldn't work together on both shows or something like that. The fact that it's all on his shoulders now and it clearly has a detriment to one of the shows because, honestly, I'm not blaming Pritchard at all. But it just seems odd that the last, literally the last two weeks of SmackDown have been awful, while the last two weeks of Raw have picked up. Really unusual parallel. Yeah, I think to be honest, you you just like uh, highlighted a really important point in the fact that Pritchard is much more of a kiss ass than Heyman ever was. I was so, trying to say it nicely, Carl. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we don't talk nice here on A to the K. I think um, you know Pritchard is basically just a yes man for Vince, so it is a bit of a. I suppose you have to worry in that regard because even though Heyman and Vince would fall out a lot of the time, you know, Heyman had the ability to, you know, potentially convince Vince to see the bigger <laughs> picture sometimes. But you see, um, I think 
the reason that they were so at loggerheads was the fact that Heyman is impassioned about the business that he does. Mm. Like if he believes in a wrestler or a particular angle, he will fight tooth and nail for it. And I, I respect that out of Heyman, to be honest. But um, yeah, it, it's one of them. Ultimately, if you go to loggerheads with Vince too many times, you end up getting um, future endeavoured. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, who won in the end, really? True. But yeah, I um so yeah, so not much of a news article because it's just speculative and, and time will tell and hopefully you know you don't want anyone to be to be struggling or, or particularly overly stressed, especially at a time like this. But it seems that maybe Bruce has had too much put on his shoulders at this point. Yeah, be interested to see how he uh, copes with both going forward. I think whether or not we see a bit more balance come into play or whether or not he is still, you know, trying to appease the kind of missed time on Raw and, and SmackDown suffers as a result. Mm. Um so the next piece of news, boom, um, is around our friend Adam Cole. Um, so as we kind of discussed previously, um, it seemed, especially with Triple H behind him, um, that Adam Cole was going to be kind of catapulted into the main event scene, um, head straight up to WWE, um, get quite um, quite a lot of like shine on him, I suppose, and uh, yeah, quite a big program um, when he moves across, similar to, to Riddle um, as, as he's kind of moved up. But apparently that is not to be the case. Um, so it seems like um, he's not kind of going anywhere soon um, from NXT. It looks like even though he's going to be out of the title picture for, for, for some amount of time, they're hoping to book him um, still with the Undisputed Era. But as, as a face, um, you know, obviously as like when he kind of joined, the natural reaction to Adam Cole is to cheer the guy because he is, you know, He's someone that you want to get behind, and he oh, seems yeah, yeah. like he's got the charisma, you know, he? Exactly, he's got charisma, he's got the in-ring ability, he's got everything kind of going for him. And obviously, he can play a good heel, but he's never really had that much of a face run. Um, so I think that the plan is to not move him to the main roster anytime soon, but to keep him with the undisputed era, but as like a face faction, um, and really try and get the fans behind him over in NXT. Which I don't know, seems like quite a quite a surprising. Um, piece of news, really, mm. um, because I thought after this he was going to be kind of catapulted straight away to the main event. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting it because this is the bit that worries me about what you're saying as well. Because I'm looking at like, well, what else is there in NXT for him? It just seems a natural thing for him now. He's he's had the biggest title. He's done the faction. Um, he's he's sort of been prominent on NXT for as long as he has. And you know, the undisputed era, as good as a faction as they are. They've kind of had a, a fair run as well. Uh, I never like breaking things up, especially when you know WWE are not particularly fantastic with tag teams or factions. Um, but at the same time, it felt like the right move, and it worries me that okay, that's a nice idea. Let's turn them face. Let's get the crowd get behind them. Let's concentrate on the undisputed era. What are you going to book them in? Who against? What what storylines are there? Straight off the top of my head, I can think of one other faction in the sense of saying, um, let's go for. Escobar's faction. That's um, sorry, I, I keep forgetting what it's called. It's something about Phantasma, but um, yeah, like that. They're they're legitimately building well, so you could pit them against them. But um, I just I can't see what they can do with the undisputed era at this point. No, I think um, I suppose without Adam Cole, the undisputed era is just nothing. But <laughs> you, know, you know what? You, why not move them all to the main roster? Mm. Why not let them follow Cole? Why not have him rock up on Raw? And then he, he can go after the, the Mexican medley. He can go after the Street Profits. He can go after the Viking Raiders. He can go after uh, Seth Rollins' crew straight away. Yeah. It's one of options there. 
you know what? It, it wouldn't surprise me if they're a bit reluctant after the whole AJ Styles and OC debacle because OC never really got over on the main roster. And I know that they were never in NXT, but obviously they were quite a big um, kind of showpiece outside of, of the WWE, especially in Japan. Yeah. And what, when they brought them in, they just kind of fell flat. So I don't know whether Vince is a bit he- like hesitant because obviously Cole, we know, will get over similar to AJ. Yeah. But then you've got the Undisputed Era and maybe not so much. I don't think they'll have as... Naturally, though, in, in any team, you have your star. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like... I, I, <sighs> No, I'm I'm gonna go back on that. I'm trying to give examples, and I'm like <laughs> Edge and Christian Dudley boys. Uh, no, to be fair, they, they suppose they're all legitimate in their own rights. But look, at, uh, I'll have to give a modern example, so it's not quite as good as I was gonna try and do. But look at um, you know Seth Rollins's team. The the he, they are relying on Rollins. You know, there's no two mm. ways about it. Theory and um and Murphy by themselves are nothing, and they're not very bookable. But with the faction, with the disciples of Rollins, it works. So, for the sake of the of the the story and the way you could book the undisputed era, I think it would work. I think the issue they had with the OC was they already had a solo tag run and fucked them right up. That was half the mm. problem when they were doing stupid hokey fake doctor gimmicks and making ball jokes. Like that, that might be what affected the OC going forward. <laughs> Maybe slightly. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I, I, do, I, I take your point that the minute they split the undisputed era up, it fucked the other two right up anyway, on the main roster especially. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a hard one because, as as you said, in, in like an ideal world, they'd all get brought up to the main roster and they'd all thrive. But I think, as as it is today, Adam Cole's going to suffer in order to kind of keep the undisputed era kind of relevant. But, you know, if they move them all over, then there's no saying that the undisputed era wouldn't just kind of go by the wayside and... I think I think they're doomed on NXT anyway. Look at the, what they've been in recently. It's like, oh yeah, Robert Strong is shit scared of um, Dexter Loomis. That that's the storyline they're in at the minute. Yeah, yeah they look strong. <laughs> what a team. Yeah. No, true. I think mm. um, I think it'd be interesting to see because surely they can't keep Cole down there for much longer. Um, so hopefully it's a kind of means to an end. I think. Yeah, but um, it'd be interesting to see what they do because I'm I'm honestly I don't know what they're gonna do. So I really want to know what they're gonna try. <laughs> Um, so we'll move on to the next one then, Carl, if I could. Um, and I'm, I'm intrigued to know your thoughts on this one as well. And watch out, it's a touchy subject, Carl. Um, so Sonya Deville has expressed an interest in competing for a men's title um, and has, uh, has cited that like basically that's sort of the future, I suppose, for wrestling. And we've seen it. We've seen it on um, uh, TNA, I think, were the first ones to do it, potentially. Well, not the first, because obviously you could technically say WWE did it first without knowing if there were any others before that, but obviously we had with the likes of China um, yeah. holding the IC title. Um, but WWE have been notably over the last couple of decades really squeamish about intergender matches. So I can't see it happen anytime soon from, from their side of it. But Sonya Deville has expressed a desire and interest to be the first woman to, or again, China, but to be the person who does this. And it got me thinking, do you know what? I actually think it'd be really good. I, and it, I think it could work if Sonya was sort of cocky enough to go after AJ Styles. I'm not saying she has to win, but just to, to get the point across that she could, right? But I think AJ could actually put on a really good match with her. I think he'd do a really good job of getting her over and legitimizing it. And um, the IC title is kind of a realistic one to go for. Can you imagine her trying to challenge Braun Strowman? Just aesthetically, you'd go, well, he's going to squash you. Because, yeah. That that's kind of his gimmick. He he fights two people at a time most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. 
but for me, I'm like, I, I genuinely wouldn't be upset if like AJ somehow talked himself into a match with us. I say talked himself because he's obviously quite clearly stated he's not willing to, to go against open challenges. They have to earn their shot. So I don't know how they go about her earning their shot, but that it feels like a storyline ready to happen, to be honest with you. How do you feel about the concept of intergender matches and the potential of women starting to hold men's, ti- oh, men's titles? Mm, I don't mind the concept of intergender matches. I hate the idea of Sonia Deville going after a main title <laughs> because it's Sonia Deville. I mean, like, like for China, it made sense. She was the fucking ninth wonder of the world. She was like a freak athlete, and it made sense. You know, you could put her in there with the likes of Jericho and or you know anyone like that, and it would feel believable. Sonia Deville can't even get a win over Mandy Rose. You know, mm. and it's like you know what I mean. You're gonna put her in there for, against AJ Styles. Like, why? Like, you you I make a good I, point there, Carl, because. I think they'd have some work to do because yeah. if they give her a shot now, as much as I've just said, I'd like to see it up against AJ and I would, I've not against the actual idea of the match. Um, they'd only be doing it as a box taking exercise. Yeah. If you know what I mean? To go, well, she's part of the LGBTQ community. So did I say that right? I think I missed a yeah. plus, but um, she's part of the community, <laughs> right? And it's pushing this into gender match thing. So it would be WWE going, look, we've ticked all the boxes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And which wouldn't be a good thing for her because it needs to make sense story-wise. So this is something that they'd have to do after building her up as a legitimate threat. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, for me, like, like, fuck the fact she's like part of the fucking LGBTQ whatever <laughs> community. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, if if you're gonna do like an angle like this, you'd have like a Ronda Rousey or you'd have like a fucking Becky Lynch maybe or something. Anyone yeah. over Sonya at the moment. Yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, Carl, the reason I mentioned the the LGBTQ community is because that is the reason I could see WWE going for this oh, because yeah. they, from a PR point of view, they'd love to say that. Oh, look look how good we are and I hate yeah. when it's done like that it should feel natural I have nothing against it but it should feel like it's been naturally done like you say the Ronda Rousey kind of stuff would, would feel legitimate because they've booked her as a, as a beast yeah. um, well I mean you know if, if you look back to when, when she debuted and she fought at Wrestlemania and she, she battered Triple H it was mm. great entertainment and it was believable and it was everything you could ever want but to kind of go well okay I'm, I'm a woman I'm going to go after a man's title because it's equality and blah blah like I, I honestly I couldn't give a fuck like like look at it this way UFC aren't allowing the women's fighters to go up you know against the men so why why do, do, do we need to do that <laughs> do you know what I mean for me because well? we've had similar noise like this um, I don't know if you remember uh, a little uh, well probably a year, a year or more ago now um, Becky Lynch made a similar noise where she was saying that women's titles shouldn't be called women's titles and it's like yeah but they kind of need something to call it because yeah. you can't go well title and well title it'll just confuse people they're using it as a separation they're not mm. you know they're not denigrating it by calling it a women's title it just so happens that that's the women's title and that's the men's title but they're both world champions um yeah i mean like i mean what I else do you call it you can kind of buy into it by the fact that they don't call the world title or the universal title the universal men's title so i can kind of see it from that regard the fact is like oh well, that's the women's and that's just the title so i get that but at the same time, I don't know, just like, just, I, I don't know. Personally, bit... for me, if, if WWE are going to run with something like this, and I'm not saying they are, by the way, this is, this is Sonya saying it, it'd be a good move. Um, but if WWE are going to run with something like this, then they need another concentration. They need another way of organizing it. And I think that they need to then lean into weight class because mm. with all due respect, it, it, it would become unrealistic to have Alexa Bliss versus the big show. 
Right, and, and and that's not a sexist thing because I was annoyed when they had Rey Mysterio versus uh, Batista. I felt they were, the weight class was too too weird there. I didn't like the fact he won the title against him because he seemed like he was outpowered. So it didn't feel right for me. I thought that's why you're meant to have a cruiserweight title, right? Nevertheless, I think if you're going to lean into the weight class thing, then it could could work, couldn't it? Anyone can go for any title as long as you fit into that weight class. Then you're not yeah. being totally out outgunned and outpowered by someone who's massive and has a much bigger reach. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the whole weight class thing makes perfect sense. Like it's always kind of bothered me as well that Rey Mysterio, a glorified cruiserweight, as being the world heavyweight champion when he was never yes. a heavyweight. Same, same to a degree. It doesn't really count, I know, but like the Brian Kendrick, and I loved the Brian Kendrick character, but he yeah. was a world champion for for a hot minute. And it was like, what? He's a cruiserweight? <laughs> so, like, they just don't buy into their own weight divisions, in which case, well, what is the point? So, I completely yeah. believe in that as well. Like, you know, it works with the UFC. If, you know, like CM Punk was the world heavyweight champion in WWE, he's a welterweight in UFC. Like, yeah. weight class. Yeah, he's never getting there, the heavyweight champion in yeah. UFC. Not without power. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. So, I mean, I think if they are going to go go this route, then definitely weight classes make sense. And You need something. You know, is, is is Sonia Deville going to be, you know, a heavyweight challenger? No, like, and nope. you know, like Alexa Bliss, definitely not. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense for me. Then they could actually justify the the seven hundred titles they've got. They could have they could have welterweight and so on, and they could they could organize it properly like that, and then yeah, have anyone go for anything. I actually I'm, I have no issue at all with the intergender matches. You know, it's entertainment at the end of the day. It might be a little different in UFC because that is actual fighting, and I understand why they're they you know limiting that. Uh, I say limit. I don't think they've done it, but you know, um, I understand that they have bigger concerns in that sense. But WWE, it's, an, it's entertainment. They they can definitely do that. It's not a problem. And um, the the proofs in the pudding. I believe um, the TNA, uh, the main title in TNA was was quite recently held by a woman. Yeah, and um, and to the point that it wasn't even that big a thing, if you know what I mean. Like it went like, oh my god, it's held by a woman. It was just like, yeah, she earned it. You know, they didn't make mm-hmm. a massive thing about it. The fact that you know, and I, I think that's that's great. Yeah, TNA are just approaching it the right way in in a lot of senses. Although I think yeah. she's I think she's been had the title stripped off her or some shit now. But I don't follow TNA enough to know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, I think she was uh, accused of making a derogatory comment or something on social media, so she's been fired i believe now so ah. i think she'll get picked up soon she's um i think it was tessa blanchard so tully blanchard's daughter right um, yeah i didn't, didn't i don't know why i didn't realize the connection same last name <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah so i don't know i think she'll find a find a feed soon but yeah you know she by like by all accounts it, she, she made something like that work for her in tna and it wasn't so much about like oh it's because of this that and the other it was just because she was she was good enough you know she did it <laughs> so yep. If, if it does go that way, I hope it's not because of any kind of like community or any kind of like, oh, it's, you know, this kind of day and age or whatever. I hope it's just based on the fact that, you know, they deserve it in the end. Yeah. That's all I want. Good storytelling and believable. It's all, yeah. all I'm after. Um, and I know I'm sat watching WWE wanting stuff to be believable. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that's it's all, it's all I want. It's all I want, Carl. Um, sorry, I believe the next one's yours, isn't it? Yes, so the next one um, to talk about is, um, so it looks like our um, old friend Jeff Hardy is stuck with the WWE for quite a while. Um, And I say quite a while, it's not really quite a while, but that's what's kind of getting banded around. Basically, because he was out injured, um, WWE basically extended his contract 
um, because he wasn't able to perform the the dates um, that his contract you know was was signed up to. Um, so as a result of that, he's actually contracted now until um, March 2021. So obviously, there's been a lot of speculation around the fact that Matt has obviously gone to AEW and you know expecting Jeff to follow suit. Um, but I don't know. I think based on based on what I've seen from the whole kind of Jeff Hardy vignettes and his whole little um, kind of documentary, if you will, like a little mini series that he had, mm. I legitimately think he feels like he owes WWE something because you know I'm pretty sure they paid for his latest stint in rehab and they've helped him kind of correct his life and stuff. So. You know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was, you know, the WWE that did that for him, and so it wouldn't surprise me to be honest. Why he wants to stay there and pay back to them, regardless of the whole kind of silly storyline stuff that they got him in at the minute, like literally talking about his addiction every two minutes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't it turns know, out I think... he was an addict. Yeah, did you hear about that? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it took us all by surprise. Um, you know. <laughs> No one's ever seen that match with against Sting, a fucking Bound for Glory or whatever it was. Um, oh, no one's ever Christ. seen him drunkenly singing with fans doing the uh, the, the yeah, definitely not the Matt. Uh, what was it when he was doing the broken Matt thing and they had that little song about Brother Nero and uh, the obsolete yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know there was videos going around, wasn't there, where he was sort of under some sort of influence, just singing that with people and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And certainly, like, nobody on like... this podcast has ever met him whilst he was off his tits. Either. <laughs> definitely didn't have yeah. it. Um, well, Carl, you what? met him. I don't think he ever <laughs> met you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I, think I, he could I, see you, Carl. I was not there. I was not there at all. Um, yeah, look, I think it's one of them. You know, Jeff has come back, and you know, we'll talk about SmackDown when we get to it. He's not. I don't know. He's not amazing for me. Um, perfectly honest, I think it's it's one of those. Even if he went to AW, like what what would happen? He'd, he'd get put in a tag team with Matt and. You know, it did ruin all the good work with Matt there as well. I think. I think. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not against him being I, there. I am. I really don't want him in AEW. I don't want him anywhere near Matt. I. I have a bit of a bias here because I'm not a fan of Jeff. You know, mm. shoot me if you must, Carl. But I'm not a fan of Jeff. I, yeah. I never have been. I've always been more when they split and um, they went on the solo runs. I never bought into the Jeff thing. I never bought into his world title run. I weren't a fan. I was all for Matt. I love the attitude stuff. I loved his, his run, and I, I genuinely think he's the more talented from a creative perspective. Jeff may have took more risks over his career in terms of the high-flying side, but um, I always thought Matt was the more creative, and I was always more behind Matt. Not that you have to pick one or the other, but I don't know. I've, ne- I've never been a massive fan of Jeff, so I'm, I'm yeah, stay in WWE. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds weird because WWE is significantly more promo-based and like character-heavy. But I think WWE suits Jeff a lot more than the Indies or AW ever would. Yeah. And it's not because of the promos and stuff. It's just because of, I feel like it's, it's a safer space for him. The fans will always get behind him and appreciate the stuff he does. and the yeah, high No risk matter what, he's going to get that big crowd and that nostalgic pop, isn't he? Yeah, and I think like even not so much for like nostalgia, but like the fact he's he's got like this baby face like gimmick around him that even that- if he is shit on the mic and even if he you know what I mean he has got shit kind of storylines people just kind of resonate with him for whatever mm-hmm. reason and get behind him and I think that wouldn't happen so much in AW or in the Indies as it does in WWE so I think yeah. he's made the right choice staying there if I'm perfectly honest so I think a lot of people are like oh god get him out and get him joined up with Matt again but why because I don't think he's gonna do either of them any good so no you know I just think well, again, there. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, because I didn't follow TNA at the time, but didn't he have more success by himself in TNA as well? Like doing the whole Willow thing and stuff like that rather than oh, yeah. being Brother Nero. 
So it's yeah. not like they worked fantastically together in TNA with the broken gimmick anyway. He was a part character to, to Matt, but um, the solo stuff he did in TNA was done in his own right. So, um, yeah, they don't need him with you on that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Right, so moving on then, Carl. You might have seen quite recently people are getting rather, rather petty about ratings when it comes to NXT versus AEW. Yes. And I'll be on. I'll hold my hands up, right? Because people know that we prefer AEW or we prefer Dynamite as it stands at the minute as a show. I'll hold my hands up and agree that this is AEW people being petty because when they lose in the in the ratings, they start mentioning the demos. And I'm like, just take it. Just say, yeah, they, they won in the numbers. It doesn't really matter. You know the reality of it, right? But this, uh, this basically, this, this segment is just a, a, a callback to one of the heads of TNT. And this is back in, I believe, 2002, referred to the demos, referred to the demographics on, in terms of how they sell um, advertising space and the like. And they, they cited the 18 to 49 demo as their, their, their key demo for, for what they're looking for. That's the You can be shit in the rest in some senses. That's the one they're looking for. That's where you need the success for them to then go, you're marketable for TNT. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been cited as a, essentially what, this, what they said in 2002 supports the argument that the likes of Tony Khan and Jericho are trying to make. Now, whilst there may be truth to that, and that might be a very valid point to me, it's like that's, that's the behind-the-scenes you know, how are we going to sell this show to the network kind of shit? The reality of it is they got less viewers and um, that that they just need to sort of let it go. I think it's getting really kind of silly at the minute. And I don't know, Jericho is kind of a heel. I know they don't really fall into the, the proper heel face dynamics in uh, AEW anyway. So sometimes he does something that the crowd love and they get behind him, but he's kind of a that kind of character. So he might be in character when he's being like this. I don't know. And to be fair, it's not like WWE haven't had their shots because I believe um, Bailey again in character over as Sasha. One of them made some remarks about beating AEW. So um, you know, it's not as if the it's not happening on both sides of it. But to me, it's just like it's so close as well that it's like why well, is even fucking arguing? It's not like the yard. If they were getting like three hundred thousand to AEW seven hundred thousand, then you're getting battered. Right now, it's not close. That it's like well, you're both doing well, then aren't you? Yeah. But yeah, it's just I mean, become sort of really strange. Yeah, I think, like, don't get me wrong, the demos matter, definitely, and they've well, definitely got an argument. But from a fan perspective, do you think it matters? <clears throat> I mean, look, you know, it's definitely petty, as as you said. Like, when AEW were trouncing NXT in both demo and numbers, they didn't give a shit about the demo. Uh, that wasn't what they were chatting about. They were chatting about the overall viewers. Yes. 100%. Um, and then ever since NXT has kind of had a bit of a resurgence, if, if you will, um, and overtaken AEW in terms of like global viewers, it's definitely been all about the demo and whatever. And 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 that's where that's where the pettiness kind of comes into play. But regardless, you know, the demo is what counts. And you know, TNT yeah. have gone on record as well of saying that they could give a fuck it as long as they've got that demographic, they're happy. So exactly. 100% it matters, but at the same time, like, they just don't have as many views, so just stop fucking clutching. Exactly. Like, clutching. <laughs> here's, here's something they've done as an example, Carl, right? The demo matters, right? From that standpoint, from a business standpoint, from TNT standpoint, the demo matters, right? Yeah. But the fact that Tony Khan and Chris Jericho both gone out there and mentioned the demo, almost saying, like, that's the only one that matters, so we're winning. They've had the likes of um, Disco Inferno 
now asking anyone not in that demographic to boycott AEW. <laughs> so it's like you, you're actually creating yourselves a problem because you're getting people's backs up. You're saying, well, I'm, I'm too old to like wrestling. Then it's, it, it becomes a bit like that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, to me, it's just like, yeah, just it, it's not even worth arguing about it. Like they're both putting on good shows at the minute. You can't get around that. Like I, I've complained about NXT, um, but in the last few weeks, I, I thought it's been really good. And I, yeah. don't get me wrong, I still prefer Dynamite most weeks, but you can't deny NXT's improved. Um, certainly when it comes to yeah. this, they have reacted to the fact that they were losing in the ratings, and rightly so. Yeah, definitely as well. And I think, um, you know, no matter how petty it was, the whole Great American Bash thing and whatever, it seems to have done the business for them, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, fair play. And I think, you know, it's all, it's all well and good to have the 18 to fucking 49 or whatever what the fuck it is demographic um you know it's all great news and stuff but you know you don't have that classic fan who's in the the 50 plus and you don't have that new emerging fan who's in the you know teens like fucking you know the younger demographic um either so it's a bit like mm. <laughs> so See, you know for me I, I kind of get the the over 51 you know not not to lose our demographic here but um i kind of get the 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 over 51 because it's like well yeah, because most of the people you loved are still on WWE. They still rock Hogan back up and all that. So, yeah, I get why you prefer WWE. It just makes sense. They're the people you know and like. Um, the younger ones, I'm surprised. Um, it's interesting to see. And I, sadly, I'm not in that demographic myself anymore, so I don't know how they all think. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see that they're not pulling in the, the younger viewers because they're obviously the, they're the future 18 to 49 demographic. Yeah, I don't know whether it's just... I mean, obviously... It's more PG, uh, WWE, isn't it? And it's I mean, more that's kind true. of family friendly. Yeah. So maybe it's that kind of thing. Yeah, um, mum and dad's letting them watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. But I think, look, they just need to stop being so petty about it all. You know, the fact is that they were on top for quite a while. The last few weeks, they're not they're not on top in terms of total viewers. And sure, they've still got the demo, but they should see this as like a war and set the game up and, and do something to get back on top fully. Yeah. If they're not going to do that, then this pointless kind of fucking going, oh, we've got the demo because you're still losing. So Yeah. And to be honest, I'd be, if, if I was in their shoes, I'd be behind the scenes going, look, COVID's fucked everyone. You know, some of the stuff they were planning on putting on, uh, like the uh, the blood and guts um, match and stuff like that, couldn't happen. So it, it, it's done them over, something shocking. So a lot of what they had booked. And they've got a smaller roster and lost people as well. So like... Mm. It's obviously going to be hard. It's going to be hard for everyone at this point. And WWE have got bigger, bigger roster and big like WWE struggled on the roster fronts and started pulling main main roster people into NXT because they can. Yeah. So you I know mean, it's unfortunate, but that's the situation we're all in. They might just want think, to take it on the chin and go. Well, we'll get over it on the other side of this pandemic. I think as well, we've all got to realize what what a draw Moxley is for. AEW as well for the 18 like to fucking 40 whatever demographic so mm. obviously everyone knows he's at home kind of recovering so if, if Moxley's your favourite you're not going to tune in are you so it's kind of you know what I mean it'd be interesting to see once they're all kind of back to full strength if you will and they're not throwing weird gimmick pay-per-view things out every week that's actually a TV show do you know what I mean we've still got yeah. fight for the this week with, with um, AEW so yeah let, let's see once all the kind of the, the dust settles and it's just back to being a normal, normal weekly TV show I guess and see yeah. what, what the figures look like then but yeah it's getting very petty I think they just need to both step the game up and both try and yeah. outperform the other in both demo and total views exactly and maybe you know take a back step from, from making comments on Twitter and just let yeah, your show speak nice. for itself maybe do that for a little bit it would be nice, nice um, wouldn't it Right. So, 
Um, speaking of AW, um, so as we know, um, a friend of our show, Sammy Guevara, um, unfortunately was um, served a, a ban um, recently um, or a suspension um, and has to undergo some sensitivity training for some comments that he made um, in the past, um, a few years ago, um, around Sasha Banks. And it's basically come to light now that um, Tony Khan has um, basically said to Sammy that he wanted to donate um, his earnings basically to um, a charity um, that kind of dealt with, you know, this kind of stuff. And Sammy was obviously, you know, very agreeable and accepting of that. Um, so mm. he's basically, um, as well as undergoing that sensitivity training, he's made the, the, the donation now to, a, I think it was the Women's Centre of Jacksonville. Um, I believe so. Very... I, I think the connection there being, um, doesn't he own the, the Jaguars? Yeah, so obviously Tony owns the Jaguars and, you know, a lot of the AW shows, I think where they are at the minute is out of Florida. I think it's in Jacksonville as well in the... Um, ah, right, okay. In the, you know, the Jaguars um, fucking football field. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of them. It's, it's obviously, it's, it's a nice touch, um, I think, but... It is, in a, in a sense, kinda, it's a shame that it was motivated by Khan. Yeah, I think, you know, it, they're kind of... It's a weird one because they're, they're, they're kind of trying to paint... Sammy in a positive light by saying he's donated his stuff, but obviously it was a Tony Khan thing. So then the flip side to that is, well, oh, well, would Sammy not do that off his own back? And I'm not sure it's given the right PR that they probably wanted. But mm. you know, PR aside, I think it's a it's obviously a good cause. And you know, if if Sammy's taking a, a leave of absence and uh, you know undergoing kind of a suspension and stuff, then it makes perfect sense to donate that money to to a you know, a cause that, that would find it useful. And, you know, obviously Tony's picked a good one, but yeah, I'm not too sure how productive it was the way it's kind of come about in terms of a PR story. I know. Yeah. The way it reads is kind of like, it's been insisted upon him rather yeah. than if it had been more about like Sammy's gone, I want to do this, then you'd be like, you know, fair play to you. And I'm not saying that he didn't, like you say, he's been totally agreeable to it, but it's just a shame that the motivation came from the top end. Yeah. So moving on to the next one, Carl. Um, the, it's the uh, quite simply and very sadly uh, that Rusev has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Yeah. So this will essentially ruin the potential of if he was due to appear at Slammiversary, um, unless it's already been taped. There was always rumours that he was going to rock up on um, on TNA anyway. Uh, this is going to put a halt to that most likely. And the other potential is Carl, and I don't want you to shed a tear here, but this could mean that we don't see Lana on TV anytime soon because obviously she is the real wife re, real wife life real life wife <laughs> oh, i've been drinking sorry real uh, wife life. that one of um rusev so she will most likely need to isolate as well so um yeah. it's a bit twofold it affects wwe and it affects whatever plans rusev had which again if you believe the the suggestion from the the um the tease on on the slammiversary um video uh, was that he was going to be going to TNA, which um, will most likely be halted now. Yeah, I mean, if if that was the case, obviously that's a fucking that's a huge loss, I think, for TNA because it would have been amazing to have someone of his caliber on the show make a debut. It would have been like a, a really, I don't know, it would have kind of given a bit of a buzz that they, they kind of lack for a while. But um, I think you know to Lana as well, like you know, a lot. She's controversial. She's she's the fucking marmite of of the wrestling industry. And, and she like people either really like her or fucking absolutely despise her but I think you know she, I'll let you know what kind of Batman if you like <laughs> I mean she's come out recently and basically said that obviously uh, both her mom and her dad have um, had COVID and now Rusev's got COVID and it's like okay <laughs> so I think you know obviously she's 
going through some stuff at the minute. You know, she was in an angle with Natty, who's also had to be pulled from TV because yeah, yeah. of Tyson. Um, so she's kind of just kind of, you know, nowhere. See, the, but this is the, the this is the mom I think though, Carl. If you if you're not a fan of Lana anyway, you're going to be sat there now going, and she's ruined Rusev's career. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that as well. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I think um, definitely a bit of a shame for for Miro or Rusev. Um, yeah, I, I keep Hopefully. calling Rusev because I'm not sure what he officially is going to call himself when he goes to TNA. I know yeah. his, his handle's now Miro, isn't it? But Yeah, I think he's like Miroslav or something, isn't his name? I don't know. But yeah, I think obviously it's pretty shitty. So hopefully he makes a speedy recovery as do, you know, the parents of Lana as well. But yeah, it's just it's a fucking, it's a shit, shit thing going around at the minute, isn't it? And it's, it, you know, it's getting more and more people. So hopefully it's a, it's a positive outcome for, for all involved. With any luck. But as we segue nicely um onto more talk around rusev um he basically gave an interview um this week um and he actually said that there's a current wwe superstar that he would deem to be the greatest professional wrestler ever now is he gonna say randy orton because he's just competed in the greatest <laughs> wrestling match ever or well, I, was, I, I was gonna i was gonna pass back to you for thoughts so do you think you who, who do you think you might have said randy orton no that was a joke I'd, I'd be very surprised if he said randy i am gonna say aj styles Interesting, interesting. Um, it's actually someone that many people wouldn't necessarily think of in terms of coming right to the forefront of the mind. But once you hear the name, you'll probably think he's got an excellent point. And it's someone that we've both spoken about before, Anthony, as, as, as someone who is a fantastic star. Um, but he's quoted as saying, come on, man, what are you asking me? I'm not a booker. But as I said before, he's the greatest professional wrestler ever. So, I mean, that tells you everything. Or I hope it does. And he was talking about Cesaro. Okay, yeah. I'd I'd take your point. I would not have guessed Cesaro (laughs) at any point, right? Yeah. Yeah, genuinely, because we've both mentioned that he's underutilized in WWE and he's never had a decent push as a singles competitor. And um, yet that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. For me, he... I I would never have guessed it, but I totally get where you're coming from. He is the biggest travesty in the, the professional wrestling like current state of affairs for me because he's been there for so long and he's consistently done such good stuff in the ring. Oh yeah. And fine, you know, he can't talk very well and he's got like a switch. I think he's like, improved over the years to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean me too. Like when he was doing the what was that one he was in where the the, the gimmick was to, that they all weren't American. You know, like they do every once in a while. The Un-Americans, was it was Sylvain Grenier there? I can't remember. No, it was, Dupree? he was in it with like it, it it was as a foil to, um, I think it was Punk at the time, maybe. Uh, no, as a foil to Roman, potentially. And it was like Sheamus and him and um, Stu Bennett, or what was his name in WWE? Wade, Wade Barrett. Uh, and those sort of people. I can't remember what they called it, but the, the, the gimmick was that they all weren't American. It was like, I'm British, I'm Irish. You know, um, mm. I just can't remember what they called the faction, but it's essentially the un-Americans like they usually do. Um, and, you know, when you look at him in that, uh, and he, he and all the previous and even in the bar actually he wasn't the talker of the group and I think he's improved especially because he's he, I don't want to say stuck with that's unfair he's with Shinsuke now so he is the talker he is the mouthpiece of that tag team quite clearly um, but I think he's improving uh, he's never going to be like Jericho in the ring or on the mic but um, I think he's he's improving in terms of the mic skills to give him credit I mean for me like. <laughs> I keep saying this as well, like not everyone needs to be a talker. If it's done yeah, right and you've got someone who's like his advocate or you've got someone who like you don't even need an advocate sometimes. You just need like 
like what's wrong with him kind of showing up fucking like having like a, a one line a catchphrase or something but he shows up he batters someone says his catchphrase and leaves like that that would have weeks and weeks of longevity as long as his in-ring you performances were as, really as we know point. they can be prime example of that Cal Undertaker not a good talker yeah. no still exactly. a, still the legend that he is not <laughs> exactly. a good talker so yeah I don't know I feel like he's just been dealt a proper shitty hand over the years and I think mm. it's such a shame because you know Ring of Honor days and indie days you know what I mean like I think he was called fucking I can't remember his name Ca- Castro Cog- Cognigli I don't know what the fuck he was called some weird name right yeah but <laughs> he he was fucking he was tearing it up you know what I mean him Kevin Owens Seth Rollins or fucking Tyler Black, whatever he's called on the Indies. Like, these guys were fucking fire, do you know what I mean? And unfortunately, they've all kind of gone on because they could talk and, you know, become something a bit bigger. And he's just kind of gone there despite his his ability and just kind of, like, flounder. And it's a bit of a, just a massive shame. I think he's got everything. He's got the body. He's got the height. He's got, you know, what Vince would look for in a main star. He just can't talk. He's not got the hair. (laughs) <laughs> this this is true. It didn't bother Austin. I'm just saying it, it didn't. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's it's a definitely a good shout from Rusev. That in all fairness, but mm. um, yeah, an absolute travesty, really. I mean, this would have been the perfect opportunity for them as well. With, with limited roster, you've got people there who can wrestle and who you can now utilize and push because you know they're they're, they're there and they're available and they're not stricken down with COVID. Um, it would have been a perfect opportunity. And as much as I'm enjoying him in a tag team with uh, with Shinsuke, I'd have much more preferred a singles run. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just saying as well, I'm just going to throw out the Drew McIntyre, Cesaro. Yeah, booked right, that could be awesome. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, from your perspective, Carl, right, you'd probably enjoy that now as it is, right? To get the fans on board, they'd need to do a bit of work. But yeah, that would be an awesome match. No two ways oh, yeah. about it. Um, but I don't think I don't think people are behind Cesaro enough for for that to be a big enough booking. But all it takes is a little bit of work on Cesaro as a singles competitor to get him to that point. And instead, Can't we send Dolph Ziggler over. <laughs> <laughs> we both went Can't to the same place at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> why why they sent Dolph over to Raw for some reason? Um, but yeah, it, it it's baffling some of the choices they make sometimes. Baffling. Right, so I've got the next one, haven't I? Yep. So, Charlotte Carl. Um, I mentioned earlier that um, there's been a, a, a leak in WWE. We are, of course, talking about Charlotte's breast implant. Um, so, it's now come to light from Charlotte. She's she's put it out there on social media in some capacity that, um, that what she had to go for was surgery on one of her implants um, that apparently had been leaking or something. I don't quite know how implants work, but... Uh, you know, there was issues with it and had been for some time. She was going to get it rectified and hopefully it would rectify it for good. The problem being, and the reason she's sort of gone onto social media, is that it looks like she's going to be out for a bit longer than first believed. Now, originally she said it was only going to be a couple of weeks. It's seeming like it might be uh, a few weeks now. There's still no specific time on it. WWE have not sort of suggested their plans in the future with her or when she's going to return, hopefully ready for SummerSlam, but um, all slip it up in the air at the minute, but it seems like she's going to be out a bit longer because of this this issue with her implants, which I, I think you actually called it last week when we weren't sure why she was going out. So hats off yeah. to you, Carl. You know your implants. I mean, to be fair, I didn't know they were leaky or anything. You know, I couldn't see any residue lying around the ring or nothing like that, but um, <laughs> I thought it was just kind of like a time, you know, I know they only last so long, so I thought it might be something to do with that, but, um, you know, it sounds like she's gone through a bit of a... Uh, Bit of hell, I believe. By all accounts, she she's had a few leaks in the past, and she's gone for the, 
you know, the solution which was would give her the quickest turnaround to not like lose any momentum. But now she's obviously had to, you know, for her own health, kind of take the yeah. the next kind of level of precaution, I suppose. It's funny when you say for her own health as well, because I think even Ric Flair has come out and said like he, he hopes that she takes as much time as she needs or wants rather than trying to rush back. And I think that's a fair point. Um because she's a big star. Um, as much as you know, I've I've not been too favourable of her in the past. There's no no two ways about it. She's a big star in the women's division, um, and she can take the time. When she comes back, she'll get a pop, and she'll be able to be in the main event scene again. It's not like she's going to lose out on the opportunity. She can take the time as much as she needs, really, in some senses. I'll be honest, I'm fucking <laughs> on the, the as a curtain jerker. Are they going to exactly. bring her back to the main event? So. Uh, yeah exactly and to be honest in some senses a longer absence might be better for that that sort of return and that pop um, yeah i mean so. you know it's not gonna be much of a pop because there'll probably still be no fans but the fact she's been fucking <laughs> yeah. forced I mean, down our throats and performance center people instructed to cheer though well exactly good. But, I mean, like, like we've literally seen far too much of her over the last kind of few months so absolutely get a get a home rested for a while and then bring her back to one show of their choosing that needs the most help and just have her be the star on that as opposed to like everywhere. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's the news on Charlotte. Okay. Um, so my last one, just a little bit of a small tidbit, um, but it looks like um, the plans may have changed for Extreme Rules Horror Show, Horror Show, Extreme Rules, Extreme Rules, Horror, Horror, ex- Horror, ex- yeah, whatever that's called. Um, oh, I think it's now Extremely Horrible Rules. A series of extremely show. horrible, an extremely horrible show. Rules. That was it. Yeah. Um, so apparently, um, the, the plans have changed a bit for this now. So I think they were going to originally um, show it live, um, but it looks like they may be reverting back to a taped um, aspect of it. Which I think, based on some of the match types, where obviously I'm assuming whatever the match type is with Bray and um, Braun would have been taped anyway. Yeah, I think that was um, definitely going to be another cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, so I think it probably makes sense because they're going to have to find time to tape that anyway. So hopefully, it, I think it's just more around the fact of when when are they going to tape it because they're, they're so adamant around taping as much kind of TV in advance and, you know, obviously it's only a week away and it's like, well, when are they going to find the time to slot that in and actually tape the show? But I think, this, uh, especially with it sort of not being part of their plan like originally they were going to do it live so i think that's probably the difficulty because they're now going to have to try and get nxt boxed off they're going to have to probably done raw but they're going to get nxt boxed off still bits of smackdown i imagine and trying to fit this in as well it's going to be a chaotic week for them trying to get it all done yeah and i think um you know maybe it'll give them time to add some you know special effects when a uh, Rey mysterio you know when he loses his second eye it's like, what's that jumping out the sky? R E wise I <laughs> there it goes. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll do some four yeah. D kind of shit. Maybe well that, that match is gonna be entirely CG. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't put it past them at this point. I'm, I'm uh, genuinely genuine. I, I they've they've done it. They've they've boxed it off, Carl, because I need to watch Extreme Rules now to know how the fuck they're gonna do that match. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, definitely an interesting stipulation. Probably the most interesting stipulation I've ever seen. I think. So who this, knows? This is this is above hair versus hair. I'll be honest with you. Oh, gotcha. Like, I mean, <laughs> a little bit more at stake. I'm uh, like, because even the Ray, the the Ray way, the way Ray put it across is like, he, like he'll use his hands or whatever. It's like, like we're not actually gonna like this. I'm willing to suspend this, but if we're not gonna see that, so how are you gonna try and suggest we have? Or are you just gonna do one of them things where it doesn't happen because of shenanigans? Yeah, I'm wondering whether there's some kind of additional meaning to it where, like, obviously Dominic's going to get involved somehow and 
turn on Ray and say whether or not there's an eye for an eye in that sense somehow. I don't know. But yeah. hopefully it's not as literal as literally someone's going to pop their eye out. And from a bu- uh, sorry, I don't mean to moan about it because we're not talking about extreme reels yet. But like from a booking point of view, it's like you've already only got one, right? Like, <laughs> well, exactly. This is a really stupid idea for you. Yeah, not not the best <laughs> since he was a wasn't it his stipulation as well? Yeah, like, right. So you, you potentially are going to come out of this blind. Fantastic. Exactly. Obviously, should be, should not, be like a blindfold match TV. or something. You know, you would have already been a bit more you know familiar with the concept, but yeah. hey ho. Crazy. Yeah, so just a, a bit of a smaller one, but just uh, one, of, one of interest anyway for my final one of the week. Well, my final one of the week is also a, a bit of a small one, but um, it ties into what we were talking about last week and a little bit interesting in that sense, really. So last week we mentioned about uh, CM Punk and we mentioned about essentially it w- it looked like he wanted more money than AEW were willing to give. Now, Cody has been interviewed since this and not about CM Punk, but it, uh, during such time he's been asked about the CM Punk um, suggestions that were made and has mentioned about the fact that the suggestion is that he wanted more money and he, you know he thinks he's worth tons and all this and Cody very professionally has said like you know he wants a lot of money and he is worth a lot of money um, but then during this interview and the bit that, that I wanted to mention and the bit that I find interesting is and he did make it clear that he weren't specifically talking about punk he's talking about people in general is that um and I'm sure he put it a lot better than I'm going to put it, but he was saying that, you know, the Khan's got money, basically. The money isn't really the issue. Um, the fact is, if the passion is there, the money is there. Like, they need to be passionate about what they do. And if they believe in what they want to do and what they want to put across, because this, he believes AEW is a place for artistic freedom, as it were. And if they are passionate about being in AEW and, and expressing that, that creativity when it comes to the wrestling industry, the money will be there. Um, and he wasn't saying it specifically about CM Punk, but at the same time, CM Punk didn't get the money he wanted. So it would kind of suggest that that was the bottom line, that he wasn't passionate about, he wanted a payday and he wasn't passionate about the, the actual wrestling industry. Um, so I find that interesting because he's been very, very careful in what he said and very professional in what he said. But at the same time, that statement suggests that that's what fell down with Punk. I will stress that he did also say that the negotiations never got as far as it sounded with Punk. Like it was more conversational than his our offer, you know, and so on like that. It wasn't, it was at much earlier stages than that. Um, but there must have been money thrown around for him to go, now. Nah, I'm going, I'm not going to join you for that. Um, but what, what do you make of this, this sort of suggest? And again, he's not said it specifically about Punk, but what do you make of this, this sort of comment? mean sounds like punk doesn't it (laughs) i mean especially he's he's cited that punk has said himself when he he was burnt out with wwe that he he wasn't going to go back to wrestling like certainly not anytime soon he he seemed burnt out on the industry so it makes a lot of sense that he wouldn't really be passionate about wrestling because he doesn't like he was you know he's grown up in wrestling and i'm not trying to discredit him for that but um it seems like WWE had certainly massive, or his experience had certainly massively soured him on, on wrestling, which is why he was concentrating on something else, such as UFC, as well as that went. Yeah. He, um, he doesn't give a fuck. That's like, <laughs> let's be honest, he doesn't give a fuck. He, he has spent his life busting his ass on the indies. He, he caught a big break in WWE. He was like, this is my moment. I'm going to become this megastar. Didn't happen. Went to UFC. Fucking fell on his ass. And now he's come back and he's like, well... If I'm gonna do it again, I at least want a big payday off the back of it. So he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's he's literally, he's had enough, and I think Thing we've is, all though, kind like, of had enough of him a bit. <laughs> I I wish he'd have had enough. 
right? But I keep seeing things, and this might be the media, it might be punk, I don't know, but I keep seeing things, like, quite recently after this, I've seen things saying, like, oh, CM Punk has said the two wrestlers who he'd come back to WWE for, and I'm like, why is he still talking about who he'd come back to WWE to wrestle? Either you're going to come back or you're fucking not. I'm, we're kind of bored of it now. Like, do something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. But I think as much as Cody was being careful about how he said it, 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 it seems like a very much a statement about punk. Not just punk, but about punk. Mm. I do like the comment that he made that it's um, that it, like it, it's basically an artistic place, AEW, because I, I, I think you can see that in the creative freedom that they've got, in all fairness. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're missing out by not having them there, put it that way. Yeah. I agree. I I don't think it'd do them. It it might get some crowd attention. I don't even think it'd get the crowd attention that they once would have, but um, it might it might get some crowd attention. I mean, he's already returned to WWE backstage, so the return thing's kind of blown, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Hasn't that been like, uh, suspended now, definitely? Oh, yeah, it's gone. It's done. They're not, they might continue with some sort of program, but it's not going to be WWE backstage in the form it was in. So that's that. That's all she wrote. That's and that the cookie is, crumbles. <laughs> I love it because we're doing the news. That's good. Um, <laughs> and that's the ringside report.